Hello everyone, my name is Ryan and you're listening to The Vegan Report. If you are an ethical vegan and you care to do more to end animal abuse, then this podcast is for you. Every Tuesday, discover passionate, thought-provoking and inspiring vegan leaders from all walks of life who will inspire you to take action. Salmon, shrimps and canned tuna are the most consumed seafood around the world. In terms of vegan alternatives, there is a variety of mock meat options in the case of beef, pigs or chickens. But seafood seems to be the exception. Good vegan seafood products are kind of rare to find, but that trend is changing for the better. I recently discovered a Montreal-based startup called Buy2048, which makes actually amazing smoked salmon. They describe their product as follows. We only use high-quality, all-natural ingredients to create plant-based seafood alternatives that all ocean lovers can enjoy. Our plant-based smoked salmon is made with fresh organic carrots and has only five simple ingredients that you know and recognize. To discuss this exciting initiative, I have with me the founder of Buy2048, Archer Schiller. Archer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Very excited to talk about Buy2048 with you. So let's start with the list of ingredients. How is it possible that your product has only five ingredients? Because I tasted uh, the, the salmon and it's amazing. You know, I can't believe that this is only carrots. Yeah, that's a reaction we get uh, pretty often, actually. Sometimes people, after trying it, they'll sort of look at the packaging, grab it to see the back, to see how many ingredients are on it. Because, you know, especially with some vegan products, you find, you know, 25 ingredients and they might not even be healthier than what they're trying to replicate. Uh, But with ours, it's just organic carrots, organic extra virgin olive oil, organic apple cider vinegar, sea salt, and then we smoke the carrots. So five organic ingredients, and uh, we make a little bit of magic with them. That's that's truly amazing. I mean, it's something like uh, the Beyond Meat product line. You know, when you taste uh, some Beyond Meat products, you even get the aftertaste. So yeah, you're really mimicking the real thing. So how did you discover that there was a need for this product in the market? So it really started through our sister company. We also run a sourdough bakery and we were doing the McGill Farmer's Market and offering up these gourmet toast slices on our sourdough breads. And we wanted to make sure we had vegan options for the students. So kind of by luck came across this idea of a carrot locks, as we called it back then, um, which was just a smoked salmon alternative made from carrots. And the reactions we got were pretty wild. A lot of people would come back and be worried that they accidentally ate salmon because they thought it tasted so much like the real thing. Some people would take it not realizing it wasn't traditional salmon. So seeing the reactions that we were getting there, we knew that we really had something interesting. And then the more research I did into what's happening with our oceans, 
and stumbling upon, you know, this movement to save our oceans, that made me think this isn't just a product. This could be a real business that's mission centric and can do some good in the world. The the kind of quality that you get from your product is what I would expect from a vegan restaurant. Uh, do you know about Momo Sushi? Yeah, yeah, I I know them, and I, I've talked to their chef Christian uh, a bunch of times uh, about the different products. And you know, it's great having restaurants here in Montreal that are also committed to to a similar mission. Yeah, so it's a restaurant in Montreal, and the first time I went there. I did the same thing as you know those people you you mentioned. I I started talking with the the chef and you know sharing my concerns because this really tasted like seafood and uh, it made me worried. You you mentioned how there was you know a social awareness around the exploitation of salmon. What's happening in twenty forty eight that we should be aware of? Yeah, so it came from a study, it's actually a Canadian study that said, if we don't change our consumption habits, the oceans could run out of fish by the year 2048. So we took that uh, that study to inspire the, the name of the company and inspire our mission, because we're all about trying to make sure that that does not happen. People ask me, what are you going to do in the year 2048? Uh, are you going to have to change your name? If there's still fish in the sea, we're very happy, um, you know, and then maybe we'll claim that we've helped some part of this. But the goal is really to to raise awareness that if we do nothing and we just continue down the same path that we have been, that's where we're heading. And we already see it with certain uh, stocks of different fish, like the Canadian cod stock. Uh, there are certain... Uh, species of fish that were no longer allowed to be fished because they've uh, so drastically declined in numbers. We see it with salmon, especially with different species of salmon that have really declined over the last 50 years. So we wanted to, while doing this business, also raise awareness for that issue. We're so mission-centric, and I think that because this brand came out of another brand, the thinking was, let's make sure that we're not thinking about profit first and it's mission first. So we get 5% of our profits from by 2048 to organizations working towards ocean conservation. We offset the packaging uh, two to one, any plastic uh, um, in our packaging and ocean bound plastic, and really trying to make sure that we create a new type of company that's more focused on the positive impact than on profits. That's amazing. And I have a few stats with me. Uh, let me read this. Between 1983 and 2016, a period of just 33 years, numbers of wild Atlantic salmon prior to any fishing taking place, uh, known as the pre-fishery abundance, fell by more than half. The rate of decline was most dramatic from 1983 to 1990, when salmon numbers fell from around 7 million to 5 million fish. And while the rate of decline since 1990 has slowed, a further 33% of salmon have been lost, meaning the number in 2016 was estimated to be around only 3.3 million. So yeah, it's a dramatic decline. And I think that 
just from you know the geography of it you know salmon is in the ocean they're so very far away from our site so it's so easy to be indifferent to what is happening uh, to sea life would you agree that the problem in its nature um, just makes it so difficult to 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 address yeah, I think that it definitely doesn't get as much attention as, you know, cattle farming or chickens or um, the animals that are closer to us, maybe, especially, you know, we're based in Montreal, uh, we're not near the coast. Um, it's a faraway problem. And I think people also don't see seafood in the same way as they don't see them as animals really you know even there are a lot of uh vegetarians who are pescatarian will not eat meat but will still eat uh fish and seafood so there's clearly a distinction that's being made and it makes it more difficult to get people to care about this issue i find um so that's why i think there's such a need for these plant-based seafood companies to come along and, you know, make sure that the seafood's not being forgotten. And I'm excited to announce that just a few days ago, we joined together. We're 36 uh, plant-based seafood companies across 14 countries, uh, led by Marissa Bronkman uh, to form the first ever, we call it the Future Ocean Foods Association. And it's just a bunch of plant-based seafood companies that are trying to get together and have a common purpose of saving the oceans. So that's very reassuring. That's amazing. Uh, I, I want to ask you questions about uh, that initiative. But um, first, you know, you're, you're so right about your assessment of the situation. And I, I would add to that, you know, I think we forget that um, fish have uh, feelings, can feel pain. Um, and I think we it's easier to um, have kind of a more compassionate approach toward dolphins, whales. There was a, a lot of work done uh, in this area of uh, animal rights, but salmon, tuna, I mean, first of all, they're not the cutest animals out there. Um, and also, we just, they're not individuals for us. They're not, it's so difficult to relate to them. And there are so many people out there who still think that fish do not feel pain, that they're like a, what, an automaton, uh, like a kind of robot that you can just pick up out of the sea, um, maybe a plant that is more evolved. So it's a, it's a cre crazy view. And you, you have a lot of work on, on your plate. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, I'll compare it similarly to how, you know, we are so upset that other countries are eating dogs or other animals that we have as pets and we're really connected to. Um, but the way we treat cows and chickens and pigs, the things that we find it okay to eat, it's, you know, how we choose between species is very 
uh, arbitrary. Um, and it's the same thing that's going on in the ocean. Uh, you know, it's pretty amazing when you see some of the things that these creatures are able to do. I was just watching a video the other day about this fish that its mating ritual is to make a whole like art scene at the bottom of the ocean. And it spends like hours and hours making this beautiful, you know, maze of rocks and everything. And, you know, these are amazing creatures and yeah, we're really trying to, to take pressure off of the ocean and give people, you know, a way to get the same, you know, enjoyment out of these products, the same taste and texture as much as we can. And even now we're launching some other products that have even more protein, more omega-3s, trying to get all the benefits without harming the ocean and without any of the mercury or microplastics or arsenic or PCBs. And unfortunately, that list goes on and on. Oh my gosh, that's something else about fish products. They're so full of mercury and um, microplastics. It's just crazy. I don't understand how people who say they care for their health will eat fish. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, uh, I still believe that the Mediterranean diet is a healthy diet and healthier than most diets. Mm -hmm. But you know, these days I'm I'm thinking. Yeah, but the fish aspect of it, with the mercury and the microplastics, maybe this disqualifies um, the Mediterranean diet. Yeah, do you agree? I think for us, we recognize that there's the reason people, you know, historically love to eat fish and the benefits they get from fish. So for us, we're not so much worried about like, you know, uh, convincing people that those benefits aren't good. It's about, hey, how do we give you those benefits in plant-based alternatives, when vegan alternatives? So I think we're really looking, I agree with you that, you know, too much mercury, too much microplastics, absolutely. And there have been studies recently that have found like a bioaccumulation of microplastics. They found it in uh, human lungs and it's pretty scary uh, that that's happening. And I think that because we can't see it, they're so small, we don't see it. And obviously the seafood industry doesn't want us to talk about it or see it. Um, it doesn't get so much attention. We're trying to change that. Uh, but for us, we're really focused on how do we give you all the benefits of that without any of the downside. And I think that's what's one of the most interesting things about living in this time that we have the technology to create products that are better than what you would find in the wild. I think that, you know, this trend is only going to continue as why would you have steak if we can, you know, one day 3D print something that tastes even better and has none of the cholesterol or any of the negatives same with seafood so it's really on the cutting edge right now this new industry that's evolving and when we see some of the things that other countries and companies are are starting to work on it's pretty it's pretty amazing and it's really reassuring that we're going to find a way to convince more people that there are better alternatives out there I read a study that said 
we have the equivalent of a credit card uh, in terms of microplastic inside our body. So if you take all of the microplastic and yeah. gather it, you I get... think each year you eat about each a credit year. card for it. I think so. We'll need to fact check that, but I think that's, uh, yeah, every year. Uh, let's go back to that initiative of, you know, mm -hmm. uh, gathering. How is it called again? Yeah, the Future Ocean Found, uh, the Future Ocean Foods Association. So you're now um, creating a, a unified front. And do you have any concrete actions that you want to take? Yeah, there, there are a lot of different initiatives. Um, that we're starting to work on. It's very new. So we're just getting all together and getting organized. I think, you know, a lot of it is to make it easier for some of these companies to add more protein and omega-3s. So we're trying to share resources so that we can offer products that appeal to a wider demographic. For us, you know, we don't, our mission is not to make anyone feel bad about the foods they eat. If we're trying to reduce ocean consumption, then it's not vegans who we really are worried about, you know, and the vegan community has been so supportive of us and they get the product right away. They're excited. You know, they miss the taste of smoked salmon. So when they see it, you know, instantly, it's like, uh, this reminds me of my childhood. Some, uh, you know, we've had people at our booths who uh, they come with their families and their families have never tried salmon. So it's a new experience for them. And that's really cool to see also because they don't get that smoky, salty oiliness anywhere else. Um, but we're really, we're really trying to create these products for everyone to enjoy, not just the vegans, but the people who are currently, you know, relying on the ocean for sustenance, those are the people that we need to convince. So I think this association is going to help us band together, make our products, you know, better to appeal to the market, help us with our messaging so that we can already, we've had a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, articles written about the association. So that's been and a lot of news coverage and you know there's always some pushback from the industries that you're trying to disrupt and I know there have been maybe I haven't heard yet in the plant-based seafood uh, category but with other companies I know that the how they label their products by calling it uh, you know plant-based honey or vegan honey like those things have gone pushback. Tofurky was in a lawsuit. Uh, I think Rossum, their Quebec company, I believe, they were in a lawsuit about their naming. So having an association where we can all stick together and help out when things like that happen, and one of us is targeted, is very impactful also because a lot of us are small companies that are just trying to you know, make a good impact. We're not trying to trick anyone. Uh, we're just trying to put out good products that do good for the world. And, you know, we're facing these giant industries that are trying to push us back. This reminds me of just a, a school of fish. I mean, against a, you know, a bigger yeah. predator. I mean, there's something um, uh, cute about it. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Um, 
the the first time I was able to taste you know Beyond Meat products was from a fast food chain called ANW. I don't know if they're present in the US or elsewhere in the world, but yeah, they, in, are. they are. So here in Canada, they're pretty popular. And they're in their marketing, they're heavy on, you know, offering red meat. And so then this was a surprise to see Beyond Meat in the middle of this of this business and having this alternative in a place where you would not expect to see it. And they were clearly, you know, um, marketing their product for meat eaters. This was not uh, a place, this was not a move for vegans, you know. Uh, we're not trying to attract uh, vegan consumers, although they have attracted me. Um, and and also, if you want to get the Beyond Meat products in, um, in a, uh, you know, when you go grocery shopping, you often find them with real meat they they put them um near the uh, meat aisle or um uh, right in the meat aisle which i hate but yeah that's a, another way of trying to get those non-vegans to be interested in uh, the mock meat world yeah can i ask you a question yeah. why do you why do you hate when they're side by side because we We've been looking at some of the industries that have done it, the mo- like have integrated the most successfully. I look at milk, you know, 20 years ago, milk came from a cow. Now milk comes from cows, almonds, soy, oats, you know, it's just, they're all together in the aisle and you pick what your preference is. And I know some people who, you know, are not vegan at all, uh, but they like almond milk in their cereal and they like oat milk in their coffee and they have regular milk otherwise. Um, so I think that's like a very successful model, but tell me why you prefer them to be separate. It's the, it's the fact that you're, you're faced with, I mean, corpses, bloody corpses, of sentient creatures when you have to, to purchase for food, you know, um, mm-hmm. We're recording this conversation uh, before uh, Thanksgiving week, and uh, you know the, the thought of having the, the corpse of a bird on on my table is not uh, conducive to me being hungry or wanting to, you know, eat uh, a meal, having a taste for uh, the food presented in front of me. And I guess it's the same when I go grocery shopping, you know, um, I'm thinking about what I'm going to make for lunch or dinner, and then I'm faced with this uh, spectacle of animal exploitation, and it's horrifying for me. So that's why I think, uh, you know, it's not a a deal breaker. Uh, You get desensitized, but um, Mm -hmm. I know some vegans who will not get near that uh, place. Also, it's cold. <laughs> the meat uh, is very cold, and uh, I, yeah. I just I'm not, not so. I don't like the cold. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's a silly no, year. Yeah, no, that's very interesting because, like I said, you know, we're really trying to create products that appeal to the mass market because that has a bigger impact for us. So, it's interesting. Because obviously, 
you know, the vegans are first adopters. They're the, like I said, they're the ones who get it right away and, and they love it. Um, but how do we get our products to other people who maybe avoid the vegan aisles because they don't think there are any products there for them? So it's an interesting balance of, of that. Uh, my dream is definitely one day within the seafood aisle, there's, you know, a full fridge full of plant-based alternatives. Um, but it's, it's definitely interesting to hear, you know, different perspectives of why maybe that wouldn't be the, the best place. It's a tough choice. I'm not here yeah. with, you know, the, the, the right answer. I don't know. Maybe this, it's better to, to put it with, uh, uh, you know, in the fish aisle. Yeah, it's a tough choice. So, For sure. So we talked about how there is this social engagement dimension to uh, your brand, to your company. And I want to know how is that present in your life and how has been your vegan journey so far? Yeah, well, when we first started this company, um, I was like so many people, like, you know, I had heard of veganism, but it wasn't really something on my radar so much. And I kind of just ate whatever I ate and didn't think about it too much. The more research that I've done and the more people I've spoken to in the vegan community, the vegan events we go to, the more and more you know, it had opened my eyes and uh, forced me to to really think about the choices that I'm making with, you know, you vote with your money. So, you know, every vote for uh, meat or, you know, those products is a, a vote, you know, that maybe doesn't align with my ethics. So it really made me question everything and uh, reduce and reduce and reduce my consumption. I don't call myself vegan just because I I don't like, you know, to label myself as anything. And, you know, I still, when we're trying to create new products, I'll try the other alternatives to try and figure out what do we really need to get this to do. Um, and what should this taste like? What's the texture like? So I'll use that to try and really create products that are as similar as possible. Um, but I think it's a journey that I'm still on and I'm still, you know, like every month reducing and reducing. Um, it's helpful that now there are so many amazing alternatives out there. So I'm definitely a big believer in that. And I think, you know, when I go to these vegan festivals, at first, I was like a little skeptical about some of the products. And then always at the end of the festivals, we exchange products and everyone, you know, my best recommendation is like go to a tr food trade show in the last 30 minutes because everyone's like trading and you can get all these products for free, basically. Um, and trying the products of some of our fellow vegan companies Um has really made me see like, oh, that's an amazing uh, alternative. Like I'm going to start eating that from now on and that. So this journey has really opened my eyes um, to a whole new world of food. And I think adding constraints, you know, I love to cook adding constraints and like, how do you make these things taste like other things? Or how do you, you know, make like a cauliflower the most satisfying 
thing ever. Um, I think a few years ago, it would have, I would have laughed at that. But now, like, you know, I have an amazing recipe. I'll give it to you later if you want. <laughs> um, anyone can write me at uh, info at buy2048.com and I'll send you my cauliflower recipe. But, you know, I think seeing those things and just being open-minded has really led me to, to changing my own consumption habits. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I hate cauliflowers, but that's why I need your recipe because yeah, I'll make that. you the best cauliflower <laughs> cauliflower steaks and one where you boil it and roast it. It's like yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to to do that. And yeah, my perception of food also completely changed when um, I adopted um, a plant based diet. Yesterday, I was using red beans to to make something. And I was looking at them and I, I found them, you know, appealing. And I thought, red beans? <laughs> I find red beans tasty and I'm, you know, longing for red beans. It, it's weird because before being vegan, I, I would not have had those feelings toward, you know, legumes and... Yeah. Yeah. So this is very interesting. So you were not vegan at all before, prior to starting your uh, product, but you were sensitive to the vegan cause because you were thinking about vegans when having them as customers with your uh, first company. And, and that's why you made Buy 2048. How, what was your, your first contact with the vegan world through your company? Was it at a vegan festival? Was it through talking with clients? I think it really started, you know, some of my friends had be started to become vegan. Um, so then I'd be cooking for them and make some, you know, some dishes that were vegan, some dishes that were not vegan, try to make sure there was at least enough to eat. Um, and then I think seeing the reactions at when we were doing the the Miguel Farmer's Market at these vegan alternatives really opened my eyes to like how amazing food is, especially like fruits and vegetables and legumes, like the things that we have on this earth that sometimes taste like better than anything, you know, you could make from meat and like a lot of these are much more sustainable options. Um, so really that and uh, starting to talk to the customers that were getting the vegan options. And then as we launched by 2048, you know, obviously the first thought was our first customers are going to be vegan customers. Um, so let's meet them and let's talk to them and let's see what they want and how do we create a product that is going to satisfy them and what do they miss about food and seafood? And, you know, that led us to creating these products still when we now are creating new products, we'll bring them to vegan markets and test them out first and get feedback from the vegan community. You know, they're always going to be our core community and the ones who have supported us so much. So we start by designing products that they're going to love and then, you know, try to figure out how do we launch this to a wider market? How do we get people who are not, 
you know, strict vegans or not vegan at all to, to be interested in a product like this. Um, so just by having those conversations, the festivals, we're going to be at another, the vegan Christmas market at the Maison uh, de Vendement de Rave uh, at December 2nd and 3rd. Yeah. So um, that's coming up. If, if you're in Montreal, come say hi. I will have a booth there and, um, yeah, it's so beneficial for us uh, to get to meet everyone and see what they like about the product, what they want next. And, you know, that really influences our development. Yeah. I want to still stay on, on, on that uh, vegan label because it's, it's interesting. You know, what my, my question would be, what would convince, convince you to, take the extra step and become fully vegan. Because I think that you're going to become vegan at some point. <laughs> I think it's just um, a question of time. I think you're on, on a journey and you have already eliminated a lot of um, animal products from your diet. And I also say that because, and, and that's a bit of a confession, but when I visited the Vegan Festival of Montreal, I met a lot of incredible vegan entrepreneurs and i invited some of them to be guests on my show and i discovered that most of them were not vegan at all mm-hmm. and i think when they look at something like my show and how we make the arguments for um going vegan from an ethical perspective they get shy they get very shy and uncomfortable with their position. And that was not your case because you accept the premise that animal exploitation is wrong and that we should become vegan and make that transition. So out of complete curiosity, you know, what would yeah. convince yeah. you to make the, the complete change to a vegan diet? Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate you having on me on the show. And when we were first emailing back and forth, I said to you, like, I just want to make sure that you know I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a vegan entrepreneur because I'm not, you know, a pure vegan. Um, so I I think it's been very important for me not to misrepresent myself. Um and also to say like our company is open to everyone. We don't like want to judge anyone because you know even i'm not fully vegan uh we and we want everyone it's a big tent you know we want everyone in the tent um i'm definitely on a journey and you know i come from a family where you know i have three brothers we're four boys it's hard to feed four big boys you know they need a lot of protein and both my parents work so trying to figure out ways to feed them without meat is maybe uh, a lot of effort back in the day. Now it's so much easier. Um, so as you know, I moved out and started cooking for myself. Like I think the journey began of exploring new foods and I love to travel and see what other people are making. Um, I think that unfortunately a lot of people have this ability to um, put their ethics aside when they're shopping and try not to think about it. You know, I'm similar like to you in the sense that when I walk by 
certain parts of the grocery store. Like I go and sometimes they have like full cows in the freezer section. And that really like, I have to kind of shield my eyes. Like it's not what I want to see, but then, you know, when they put the food out in certain ways, it looks less like meat, you know, or less like what it is. And I think that it's definitely become harder and harder for me to put that aside. The more that I know, like I can't sort of claim ignorance anymore, you know, now that I know the, the conditions that animals are put in and um, even with seafood, the, how bad the fish farms are for the environment and how bad conditions the fish are kept in. So it's definitely made me pause and, rethink a lot of things so i am on that that uh process i've been able to reduce my meat consumption like pretty significantly i don't eat so much red meat and when i do eat meat i try not to make it the star of the dish it's just like a part of the dish and in that way like reduce and reduce and reduce um but i'm working on it like it's it's an interesting question because i do think that a lot of people have those same ethical concerns yet are able to still eat meat and i think it's just like life is difficult and time consuming and like everyone has so much going on that and there's so much going on in the world that you don't have enough you know uh capacity to really worry about everything at the same time so you kind of put things in boxes um, but given that this is my job to, to think about vegan foods, um, it's definitely, a, a journey that I'm on and, you know, I'm progressing. Of course. And one of the main reason I wanted to get you on this show, not only because your product is amazing and I want you to succeed, but also I want you to feel welcome in the vegan community and yeah, let me maybe give you a challenge. I don't okay. know if you would be open to it, but the Mercy for Animals have the one week vegan challenge where you can, um, you know, you give your, uh, I think your email address or something like that. And they send you uh, a meal plan. They send you help to go through one week of being vegan. Would you be willing to try that? The absolutely pledge for a one week vegan challenge. Done. Yes, amazing. And I'll do you one better. I'll even uh, I'll make some content with all my meals and show how we can uh, how easy it is to stick to this. Because I, you know, a lot of my meals are completely vegan. Um, so yeah, it's not a. It's just uh, I think when you put your energy into it, it's easy and it becomes easier like anything else you have to you have to stick to it um and it gets easier and easier but yeah absolutely i'll do that amazing archer i'm so happy to hear that uh great so i'm looking forward to uh you doing the the one week uh vegan challenge uh of mercy for animals uh amazing so archer i i want to now talk about the entrepreneurial part of your journey this podcast is about inspiring vegans to take action for animal rights. And one key action that you can take is 
basically launching your own vegan business. And we, we talked about why it is valuable in, in the first part of, of the show. But I want to get into you know the challenge of being an entrepreneur and launching your business. Do you think that people are predisposed to become entrepreneur? Was it the case for you? Uh, what attracted you to... Because it's a... It's one of the scariest thing you could do in in your life, you know, launch your own business, take that risk. I'm I'm truly wondering, you know, how that happened for you. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I don't think I realized how uh, big a risk it was and how scary and difficult it would be. I think that if I knew then what I knew now, it, it would maybe I wouldn't have had the courage to to really take the leap. Um, I think I was meant to be an entrepreneur and I can't see myself doing anything else. You know, I opened my first bank account on my sixth birthday. And then when I was eight years old, everyone else was trading Pokemon cards and I was selling them. And, <laughs> um, you know, I think I've just always been the type that I've had these side hustles and didn't realize that like there was a name for that. Um, and, and then, you know, it took a while. I was studying cognitive science and finance. And then I sort of, it kind of clicked to me like, oh, I, I like so many different things and entrepreneurship gives me the ability to do a million different things. And every day is a new challenge. So that's what I love about about this. You know, we can have a positive impact, um, do something you're passionate about, be your own boss. It's all the benefits, but it definitely don't go into it lightly um, because it's a lot of hard work. And uh, I actually had a funny moment. Uh, I was at a trade show last week and I you know, I pack up my booth and I have it on these dollies and it's all like this huge thing and I'm carrying it and I'm in a freight elevator, just me and another entrepreneur. And she has the same thing, like all of her stuff and, you know, we're carrying it, we're there by ourselves. And I kind of look at her and I'm like, the life we chose. And she says like, we could have been in corporate finance or whatever, <laughs> you know, we didn't choose the easiest path. But I definitely feel for me, I, I chose the right path. Um, but sometimes it's better not to know and to just jump into it. And, you know, if you have something that you're passionate about and you feel like you can really dedicate your your life to that, um, then I definitely recommend it uh, because at least it, for me, it, it was the right choice, but a lot of hard work. So um yeah, don't kid yourself. Like it'll be a, a lot, a lot of work and, and, you know, tons of ups and downs. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you built something. So that's pretty amazing. And you mentioned a few obstacles, difficulties that you have as a vegan, you know, business, where to put the product, what aisle to choose in a you know, while grocery shopping. So what other obstacles do you have with, you know, selling a vegan product? Part, one of the biggest 
challenges, I guess, uh, that a lot of vegan companies are facing, you know, and when I talk to them, everyone seems to be working on the same thing is, you know, the vegan community is growing, but it's still a small percentage of the, you know, whole market. So it's hard to have the velocity of sales that you need because it's pretty easy to get into stores, but to stay in stores, that's challenging because you have to sell. And if you're not selling, then they're going to find a product that is. So definitely, you know, having a vegan product is like you have a core community that's into it, but to really survive, you need to find a way to advertise and get your products to a bigger market. And that's been something that we, along with all these other vegan companies, you know, are trying to, like I said, the, I find the, the milk alternatives have done it so well, where now it doesn't matter what you label yourself as, but you're, you probably have two different types of milk in your fridge. So trying to figure out ways to get the products to a bigger market. And then part of that is also what type of products we're creating, because a lot of the regular market, you know, the non-vegan market um, will look at our products and will say, oh, it doesn't have enough protein, you know, because they're not eating it the same way that some vegans are eating with like high protein cream cheese. They're getting their protein from other sources. Um, so we're trying to create products that are like easy and have the protein, have the omega-3s in our case, because that's uh, what a lot of people look for in the traditional alternatives. So creating products that mimic the traditional products with added benefits and none of the negatives. That's really what we're going for, which is tricky and still doing it while using natural ingredients and not any of these weird, funky things um, makes it even harder. But I think it's doable. And, uh, you know, we have a, a new product that we're launching first in food service and then eventually hopefully uh, in retail which is a uh, smoked salmon cream cheese oh. so we mix <laughs> our smoked salmon into the cream cheese but it also allows us to mix in some more protein from vegan sources and some omega-3s and all that so it's just like a super easy way to put it on a bagel and you have um, a delicious you know breakfast great snack whatever with protein omega-3s you get all the benefits so that's something that we're hoping can you know resonate more with uh the non-vegan market as well as the vegan market so it's a challenge but i find the more constraints you put on yourself and on product creation the more creative you have to be and then you end up with something even better that's amazing i'm so happy to hear that you're going to launch this new product I'm looking forward to it. And your product is good. I'm, you know, there are three seafood, vegan, vegan seafood providers uh, where I, I, I go to. You know, there's this Taiwanese vegan family owned shop. And then there is a Vietnamese restaurant, a vegan Vietnamese restaurant, also family owned. And both make great seafood alternatives and then there's you now <laughs> so yeah i generally think that your product is good but i guess like you said it's not 
maybe enough. You need also to market that product. You need to pitch that product to distributors. You need to uh, expand your product line. Uh, you need to put a lot of efforts to it because, you know, when I think about Tofurki or uh, something popular in Quebec, uh, Saint-Yves, they're not the best vegan products, but I think they're great at marketing what mm -hmm. they're making and offering it also um, at cheap prices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, vegan products have some of the same challenges that every other business has and, you know, trying to increase your distribution, trying to increase awareness and sales, all those things, you know, but we're also sometimes in aisles, like we were talking about that non-vegans don't even go down. So it's, it's definitely, we need to find ways, creative ways to, to really get the, our product out there, our name out there. And uh, one of the ways is we're starting to do taste tests in stores and also to, to record some of the content at the taste tests. So it's a way for us to both be in the stores, get people walking by from, you know, no matter what type of shopper they are to try the product. If you've been to one of our trade shows or festivals, you see some of the reactions when people try the product for the first time. I think that's what really sells it when people have this like amazing over the top reaction because they did not expect it to taste that close to smoked salmon. So if we could bottle that up, uh, that would be very good for us. So trying to do things like that, get creative with our marketing and really show that, you know, even people who like fish uh, find this to be a great substitute. And that's been, I think, the, the most rewarding part because, you know, we've seen that the, the vegan community loves the product, but seeing also outside the vegan community some people who they'll take our product at trade shows and they'll try it and like keep walking and they don't read the booth and don't see that it's like plant-based or anything like that. They don't even recognize it. Or some people will like taste it. And then like when they're walking back the second time, they'll be like, I did, I had no idea. Like I thought this was a uh, real salmon. That's always like so reassuring that we, we have a good product. And now it's just about, you know, getting it out there and making sure that people know about it. So if you're listening to this and you like our product, tell 20 friends um, because we need we need help. Yeah, well, it's available in uh, Canada, in uh, Quebec. We're in Quebec and Ontario now. Uh -huh. Yeah. And yeah, growing. But our US listeners might not be able to put their hands on, on your product yet. Not yet, but we're working on it, uh, especially in food service. As once we have our uh, smoked salmon cream cheese, I think that would do so well in New York City. So I'm pushing for that and uh, then try to get it everywhere in food service. And we have a lot of exciting things coming in the in the 2024. So um, trying to get it to as many people as possible. Great. Do you believe that uh, vegan food is the future. Absolutely. I, I think vegan food is the future, like we were talking about. I think that traditional dairy, meat, seafood are not going to be able to compete with these alternatives that are going to be higher in protein, lower in cholesterol, like 
high in all the things you want, low in what you don't want, we can start like tailoring these products. I think that's for sure the future. And if we can do it without harming animals and without having such a big impact on the environment, that's way better. So I think it's definitely moving in that direction. It, there are definitely bumps in the road. I think when the economy is not good, people sort of retreat a little bit. Some of the vegan alternatives are more expensive. So they go back to you know what, what's affordable. We're trying to offer affordable plant-based seafood alternatives that are you know like the cost of the, the traditional product. Um, but I didn't see the ad. That does sound a little cringy to me. Uh, I think a lot of celebrities peddle different things that, you know, who knows if they believe it or, or not, or if it's just a paycheck to them. Uh, but definitely, I don't think that's good messaging. And, you know, our messaging is, you know, this is a product for everyone. And uh, it's, yeah, if you haven't tried it, we hope you do. Amazing. It's a, it's a great message. Before we end this conversation, Archer, did you have anything more to add? Follow us on Instagram and TikTok uh, at by2048 underscore and come to the, uh, the pop-up uh, vegan Christmas market uh, December 2nd and 3rd in Montreal, if you're here. Awesome. And send me your emails for the cauliflower recipe. <laughs> <laughs> that I will do. Again, Archer, thank you so much for having been a guest on uh, on on the show. Thank you so much for ch sharing your journey. And yeah, I, I truly wish you the best with your product. I think you're uh, going to become a success. At least I hope so. And I'm looking forward to that cream. Salmon, cheese, yeah, cheese, yeah. salmon. Oh, that's cr so great. Such great news. So thank you, Archer. Thanks so much. Oh, and I should say also that in Quebec, we're available at Barche Tau, Barche Avril. Uh, check our website for a map, but we're in about 150 locations and starting in Ontario. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't tried us yet, give us a try and let me know what you think. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you so much for being a friend of this show. As always, please share this episode with your community. Let's inspire more people to take action. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. Finally, you can always follow me on Instagram at Vegan Report Podcast. Thank you again for listening. Take care and see you soon.